How's everybody doing today? You guys had a good week? You guys had a good week? All right, I heard one amen. All right. All right, welcome to our um, family. And uh, I guess we got a lot of friends over already at the park. Uh, so you'll see some friends over there. Um, but I'm excited uh, just to share the word with you guys on today. Um, we got some family here all the way from Georgia. Can we give it up? Amen. For Aunt Mona, Cousin Wanda. Happy to have them with us here. Uh, so uh, I want to just go right into the word. We're going to get out of here. We're going to enjoy each other. Just have some fellowship, some food, some fun. You guys ready? All right. Uh, so we've been dealing with... Um, the title of our series was Family Matters. Um, we've dealt with uh, the beginning of the family. We've dealt with the fall of the family. Uh, we dealt with uh, children as a blessing. Um, but today I'm going to uh, take a different approach if that's all right. I'm gonna deal with a very, very familiar passage of scripture that most of you guys have probably heard if you've been in church for more than a year. Um, this is usually um, one of the come to Jesus uh, sermons, um, and it's entitled Welcome Home. Look at your neighbor and say, welcome home, welcome home, welcome home. So we're going to deal with uh, welcome and home. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Luke, the 11th chapter. Luke, the 11th chapter, and we're going to start, uh, I think I'm in the right text here. Did I give you that text? Darnell. I'm sorry, Luke 15. Luke 15 and 11. I knew 11 was in there. Luke 15 and 11. He was getting nervous. He's like, Jesus. <laughs> Luke 15 and 11. When you get there, say amen. amen. If you're not there yet, say hold up. If you still ain't there, guess what? We got it right here on the screen for you. Uh, you could just read along with me, okay? Uh, so we're at Luke, the uh, 15th chapter, starting at the 11th verse. I'm going to read it in, in its entirety. Um, those of you, like I said, if you've been in church for a while, you're probably familiar with this scripture. And here we go. You guys ready? Amen. He also said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the, the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe, a severe famine struck the country and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the, from the, car, from the carob pods the pigs were eating but no one would give him any. When he came to his senses, he says, he said, how many of my father's hired servants, hired hands have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up and go to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
But the father told his slaves, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. And let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they begin to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him. And your father was slaughtered with the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, look, I have been slaving many years for you and I have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I should celebrate with my friends. But when his son, but when this, this son of yours came who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he said to him, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. Look at your neighbor and say, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Uh, as we go back to the 11th verse, one thing I want to draw to our attention here, first things first, is that there's three characters in this text. There's the father. There's the son, the younger son. And there's the older son. And a lot of times we spend a lot of time focusing on the wayward son, but we don't spend a lot of time focusing on the father's love. And we don't spend a lot of time dealing with the attitude of the older brother. So there's actually three different characters going on in this text, showing us three different attitudes and three different ways of how to handle certain conflicts in a family. You guys got time? When you go through the whole entire Bible, every single person in the Bible, every single one of them, comes from a dysfunctional family. <laughs> Which tells us that no family is perfect. All right, can we, can we do the rundown real quick? All right, Adam messes up because God gives him the design. We talked about this a couple weeks to follow him. He creates God, God creates Adam out of Adam becomes woman, creates woman. Out of woman and Adam, the unity, they create children. So when God says, let us make man in our image and likeness, God creates family, triune, as he is father, son, and spirit. So what he does is he creates man, he creates woman, they create children, and the unity is a triune family. But the problem is, is Eve turns her direction from following God to following a serpent. Adam follows Eve and God follows no one, which now changes the dynamics of the family. So now there's dysfunction because the family has turned their back from God. So that's dysfunction. Number one, there's a man by the name of Noah who has dysfunction. There's a man by the name of Abraham who's a liar, who moves in front of the, the will of God lays with a woman by the name of Hagar, has a side baby with a concubine, and now there's conflict in the house. Isaac has his issues because he picks up the lying spirit of his daddy. Amen. And now we see that this thing has become generationally. Isaac has two boys, Jacob and Esau, who can't stand each other. And one of them steals the birthright from the other one. Jacob has 10 sons. 
One's name is Joseph, 12 sons. One's name is Joseph and 10 of the brothers hate him, throw him in a pit and lie to the father and the father thinks that he's dead. Joseph has his conflicts with his children because he marries an Egyptian and now his children have taken on Egyptian form. Moses is a murderer who has issues in his house, who has conflict in his house because his sister and brother have a problem with the woman that he marries. David is an adulterer who has all these many women and many wives and all of these conflicts break out in his house when his son rapes his daughter and the other brother finds vengeance and kills him out of the fact that his brother raped his sister. So now you got all types of conflict going on in there. Solomon got 700 wives and 300 concubines. That, that alone is a story all by itself. Don't know how he did it. God bless the man. Uh, Lord, help me, Jesus. My wife, my one wife is enough. I don't know how you got a thousand of them just walking around. Just conflict after conflict after conflict. And you read throughout the Bible and you can't find me one perfect family. So don't nobody in here tell me you got one. All of us have our issues. And the only way to bring peace to our lives is to be rooted in Christ. So here in this text, watch this. It doesn't show us a mother's love. It shows us a father's love. And a lot of times we hear a lot about a mother's love, but there's not a lot of preaching about the father's love. You with me? So this younger brother now comes and says, Father, give to me my share of the estate I have come into me. The dead ain't even dead yet. And he's already counting his father's life insurance policy. Ain't this crazy? And watch this. He's the younger brother, so he doesn't even get a large portion. He only gets one third because the older brother gets a double portion. So the older brother gets two thirds. The younger brother gets one third. But he's so caught up in getting something that he he decides that he wants his freedom and tells his father to cash out on the insurance policy while he's still alive. Watch this. He's looking for freedom, but needs his daddy's money. Yeah. Daddy, I want to be free, but I need some money so that I can be free, which in all actuality, you ain't free if you need daddy's money. Uh huh. And it shows us here that sometimes God will allow us to walk in our so-called freedom, but he still keeps grace on you, which is his currency of his spiritual money. And many a times we walk away and we think that we're walking away from God. But in all actuality, you're walking away with his grace. Because if God ever took his grace off of you, you would be dead and gone. So when a lot of folks say, I turned my back on God and I backslid. No, no, you may have left church, but you never left God. God's hand has always been on you, even when you are at your lowest point in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, thank God for grace. Uh -huh. You need to thank God for grace because if God did not give you his, your currency, when you walked away, you would have died out in the field. But the father still loved his son that even when his son seeked independent freedom, the father still gave him a blessing. Even when we make our mistakes and we, we decide that I'm giving up on church and I'm giving up on God and I'm tired of all of that. God still extends his mercy over you and he still says, you know what, I'm going to keep my hand on you even though you're having a foolish moment. 
Uh huh. Some of y'all, y'all sitting here, y'all really think that you backslid. Some of us really think that we had the strength to walk away from God. You really believe that you were just that strong that you decided that you was going to tell God to leave you alone. And you fail to understand the fact that you're breathing is his mercy. The fact that you're moving your arms is his mercy. The fact that you're walking is his mercy. And what shows us is that even in your lowest state, his mercy still endureth forever, which I don't understand. How in the world can I come to church and not give him praise when I understand that his mercy is all over me, seen and unseen? There are some things that God did for you on your way here that you didn't know. Somebody ran a red light before you got to the intersection. Somebody had a car accident in the next exit. You got there five minutes before the accident that just happened on 295 that got the traffic backed up. But his mercy covered you even when you were foolish. So you have to understand that when we walk away, God still keeps his hand on us. That even when we seek our personal freedom, we still need his favor. We still need his grace to be free. Now watch this. So the father blesses him, distributes his assets, and not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had. All he had was his daddy stuff. You ain't had nothing. I'm going to do it like I did in my house. My parents come up and say, open my door. You don't pay no mortgage around here. I'm the only one that lived in that kind of house. You eating my food. You wearing my clothes. If you're going to leave, you're going to leave naked because you don't own nothing in here. I'm sorry, I just got a flashback. That's what kept me at home as long as it kept me at home because I ain't had nothing. And my dad, wasn't, he wasn't cashing out no insurance policy. <laughs> Not many days later, the youngest son gathered together all that he had, which was given from the father. I'm sorry, I got to add that to the text. And traveled to a distant country. Now, we have to make the assumption that these are Jewish people. And if it tells us that he travels to a distant country, country, it tells us that he moves out of the Jewish tradition. It tells us that now morally, his morals change. It tells us that the rules of his life change. It tells us that his attitude changes. The way that he dressed changes. His dialogue changes. His dialect changes. The friends that he hangs out changes. Watch this. Because he's separated from the father. And when you separate from the father, things change in your life. Many of us don't realize that we're sitting in church, but we're in a distant land. What do you mean I'm in a distant land? You're sitting in church, but you're away from God. Your attitude has changed. Your morals have changed. Your relationship has changed. The way you see people have changed. Your attitude at work has changed. Folks don't even know you saved on Monday. <laughs> because you're in church, but you're in a distant land. Let us not get the, these four walls mixed up with church because this is not the church. This is four walls. And if I'm going to get real technical, this is Trinity Bible College on Thursday nights. So let's not get caught up that I go to church and make your religiosity uh, define your relationship. Because there's a difference between structured religion and relationship. Yes, sir. <laughs> Uh, it, it, I, I, I can go through the motions of marriage. I can get up, kiss my wife, make some toast, get a cup of coffee, jump in the car, go to work, come home, kiss her, eat some dinner, watch the Cosby show, 
I know I'm old. We ain't no Cosby show on no more. I don't even know what's on. Go to bed and go through the motions. But can I tell you something? If I go through the motions like that, after about three or five years, my relationship starts to get stale. I become predictable because there's no relationship. It's just structure. We have a religion called marriage. Every once in a while, I got to switch it up. Yeah. <laughs> Date night. Hang out. Put the kids to bed. Do something. Bring home some flowers. Switch it up because it's more than just structure. It's relationship. And God is not looking for just our structure every Sunday. He's not looking for you to tell everybody how great of a Christian you are because you do communion. And because you're on the praise team. And because you gave in the offering. You're doing nothing more but structure. God is saying, what is your relationship with me? So this man now moves to a distant country, changes his whole attitude, and now, watch this, he becomes morally bankrupt. He loses his value because he moves away from his father. Remember, it was the father that was investing in him. It was the father that showed grace and mercy every day. And he didn't realize that being in the presence of the Father was an investment every day. Every time you're in the presence of God, there's an investment in your spirit. Every time you pray, God is giving you a refill and charging your spiritual cup. But the moment you walk away from the Father, you don't even realize that your cup is going empty. And next thing you know, you're nothing more but an empty cup because the Father ain't filling you up anymore. So now he travels to a distant country and he squanders away his estate in foolish living through moral bankruptcy. Watch this. After he spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he had nothing. Y'all with me? So not only are you morally and spiritually bankrupt, but now you're financially bankrupt. And there's nothing you can do when there's a famine. So you just lost all your money. So now he has nothing. And now watch this. He has to go work for one of the citizens of that country. Now I got to go work for a Gentile. If you know one of the most uh, disrespectful things for a Jewish person to do back then was to work from somebody for another country. They work amongst their own. They kept the money in their own community. They didn't go outside and work with heathens. But because he's so down and out, now he has become an employer to somebody that he never would have done business with if he would have stayed in the presence of the father. Can I go a step further? He has now become a slave to sin. He is now an employee or an agent to his sinful nature. And when we walk outside of the will of God, we now become slaves to our sinful nature. We now are led by our nature, not by the spirit. Amen. We now behave by the pleasures of the world, not by the pleasures of God. And now he is completely under control, under sin. This foreign man symbolizes sin. He is now under the control of sin because he moves away from the father. When we move away from the Father, we now 
get in a position where we can experience the wrath of God. Can I go a step further for just a couple moments? Jesus didn't come to save us from the devil. Y'all like, huh? Jesus came, Romans 8, to save us from himself. What do you mean? Because if you stay in sinful nature, you are now subject to the wrath of God. So in order to protect us from his wrath, he sent his son. Does that make sense? So in order for him to save us from himself, because God knows no sin. He had to send his son to die on the cross, shed his blood so that we could be saved from his wrath. So now a severe famine comes and he goes and works. He's now subject under the slavery of sin and he sends him to the fields to feed pigs. And if you know, that is one of the most demeaning jobs that you could give to a Jewish person because they don't eat pork. That's right. Some of y'all like, I know, I'm, I know I ain't Jewish. <laughs> y'all waiting for those pork hot dogs up the street. But he now puts him in the lowest part. And now he has him in the fields with pigs. That's what sin will do to you. It starts off pleasurous. It sound, I know there ain't no word. I said pleasurish. Sound like Jason. It's, it sounds, it, it starts off pleasurable. You go into the club. You partying, y'all hooking up, you partying, you drinking, you smoking, you partying, and now you look back 20 years in your life and you realize you partied your life away. Yes, yes, yes. Now you're in the field of pigs. Mm. Yes. <laughs> now you're in a low place because you thought that you were enjoying pleasures, but the pleasures have been destroying you. Yes. Now your liver gone. Mm. Now your lungs gone. Now you've lost 20 years of relationship with your children because of an addiction. Yes. Quiet. Now you're trying to put pieces of your life back together because you chased the wrong employer. If you would have stayed in daddy's house, in due time, you would have got everything and more. But because you wanted to step out because the process was taking too long, now you find yourself in a pit full of pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the carob pods. This is the waste that the pigs eat. Y'all know pigs eat anything. He is down to his last. And he's longing to eat mess just to survive. The pigs were eating, but no one would give him any. He's so down and out, they won't even give him pig food. Oh, you in a you in a messed up place. You can't even get a, a chitlin. <laughs> Watch that. When you get to that point where that's you can't get no chitlins, you come to your census. <laughs> Bible says, and when he came to his census, he says, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? And I'm here dying of hunger. They ain't even in church like that, and they getting something. But I'm so far out. That even the folks that's playing church, <laughs> the higher hands, are living better than me because they got enough sense to jump in his presence at least every once in a while. Yes, yes. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> we all got one of them cousins, <laughs> that CME member. 
Yo, what's CME? Not AME. CME. Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter is when they show up to church. They get enough Jesus three times a year. CME. Y'all got a CME cousin. So he's saying, even the CMEs are eating more than me. And I'm sitting here dying of hunger. I'm going to get up, go to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called a son. Sin will convict you to the point to where you'll lose your identity. Maybe some of us have not even been there before, but some of us have made mistakes that are so bad that you're like, there's no way in the world God can restore me from this one. And that's where he's at right now. He's in a point now where he's like, God, (laughs) the stuff that I done did last week ain't no way in the world. I'm going to get back in your presence. But you know what? I'm at least going to try. Y'all cry. I done messed up, but I'm at least try to walk back to your presence. So y'all with me? I'm I'm, going to lighten this up in a minute. I promise you. I ain't going to holler, but I'm I'm, going to get excited in a minute. Y'all with me? Make me like one of your hired servants. Watch this. God, if I can just sit at the door of the sanctuary... I'll be satisfied. If, I, if, if, if you just let me walk by and pick up the fans after service, I'll be happy. But that ain't the way the Father sees you, which means he shows us that even in our lowest state, God still sees you as a son. God still sees you as a daughter, even when you can't see who you are yourself. That's why we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We have to learn how to see ourselves through the lens of the eyes of God, because if we see ourselves through our own lens, we know we are a mess. It takes spiritual insight to really see that where I'm at is not where I'm staying. Because sometimes we'll find ourselves in such a deep hole in our life that we decide that there's no way in the world that I'm going to come out of this, which is why it's important that we stay connected to the Father. Because if you don't stay connected to the Father, you'll never see your way out of your situation. So he got up, went to his father, but while, watch this, while the son was still afar off, the father saw him, which tells me that the father was looking for him. Watch this. And the father sees him from afar off, is filled with compassion, and the father runs to him. Are y'all with me? He doesn't wait for the son to come to him. Watch this, because we're not strong enough to come to him. So God comes to where we are to save us as long as our heart is turned towards him. Father saw him filled with compassion. He ran, he threw his arms around his neck, and he kissed him. Doesn't ask him where he's been. Doesn't bring up his past. He doesn't say, I told you so. <laughs> Y'all know some of us, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta remind you. I told you if you weren't so hard-headed. But not here, we don't see the father condemning him. Watch this, because he understands that the father, the son's lifestyle was punishment enough. I don't even need to remind you of where you were sleeping at last night. I don't even need to remind you of what you smell like right now. (laughs) I don't need to remind you of how you spent all the money. I can look at your condition and see where you're at, so I'm not going to sit here and waste my time even reminding you of your mess because I already know the conviction is killing you. So what I'm going to do is rather than judge you, I'm going to love you. (sighs) 
And that is so great about God is that God doesn't sit here, bring us to the altar. When we come to the altar, he got to constantly tell you everything that you did. Can I tell you something? In most cases, the people that bring up the past is us. I ain't never hold the Holy Spirit remind me of what I did five years ago. (laughs) Y'all quiet. I ain't never hear God say, remember when I saved you from that mess that you did three years ago? Boy, you better sit up here and praise me. God, God ain't petty. We are. And the reason is we know that we ain't worthy of his grace. So that's why some folks, we call it old school, but I don't call it old school because I still do it. When we think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for us. You, you, you can't sit there and not give him praise because I don't need nothing but just a memory. I don't need a praise break. I don't need a song. I don't need a preacher. All I need to do is remember myself of where he bought me from. And when I think back of where I was and where I could be and where I should be, that enough is enough for me to run to the Father and say, Father, I thank you because I shouldn't even be here right now. So he ran, he threw his arms around him, he kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm not going to do it. But if you go back up to the 18th verse, the 18th verse, he had a whole lot more that he was going to say. He had a whole lot more that he was going to say. Okay, we there. He says, he says, I have sinned against against heaven and your sight. I am no longer to be called your son. Make me like one of your higher servants. Now let's go back. He goes back to the father and he doesn't get to the higher, per, the higher, uh, be, be one of the higher servants parts. By the time he goes to, I am no longer worthy to be called the son. Watch this. The father stops him. The father don't let you tell him what you're going to do. What he's going to do or what you're going to do with his grace. Y'all missed it. He had a whole speech that he was going to tell God and he was going to tell God how to handle him. He was going to tell God how to punish him. <laughs> uh, 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 reminds me of an of a, 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 um, a episode on Family Matters. Funny that Family Matters is our series. Where Laura got grounded. Where she got in trouble. And Laura came in the house and knew that she was going to get trouble, in trouble. So before Carl could say anything, she threw at Carl all the punishment that she was going to put on herself and walked to her room and locked her door and said, I ain't coming out for a week because I know I'm on punishment and I deserve to be on punishment because I came in the house late and Carl couldn't say nothing. But God ain't that kind of father. You ain't going to tell him how he's going to discipline you. So he decides that he's going to tell the father how he should discipline him and the father stops him. And he says, quick, because there's no way in God's mind that he sees his son as a hired servant. So he says, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. And let's celebrate with a feast because the son of mine was dead. Dead. And is alive again. Watch this. I told you he doesn't bring up the past. He doesn't remind him of where he's been. But the first thing that the father does, he shuts the son's mouth and covers him. I missed it. He shuts his mouth and he covers him. He covers the mess that was filled all over his body. He covers the stench that he smelt when he put his hands around him. Y'all, <laughs> some of y'all, y'all can't even stand to hug somebody that's sweaty. Could you imagine him hugging him in the stench on his son from being in a play pit, a pig pen, but he does not deal with that. He says, no, rather than me keep looking at him in this state, get me something to cover him with. Oh my, oh my. Thank you, Lord. 
So when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they tried to put fig leaves on, but fig leaves wither away. So what did God do? The Bible says, and God put skin on them. He disciplined them, but he covered them. God covers our sin. But the problem was you go through the Old Testament and they kept killing calves and killing camel and killing all these animals to cover their sin. But eventually it was no good. So God says, I need something else that can cover them, that will protect them from sin for the rest of their life. And what does he do? He sends his son to die on the cross. He sheds his blood and he covers us in his blood. So when we come back to the father, what he does is he covers us. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Yes. Bless With his blood. Is this making sense? Yes. And not only does he cover us with his blood, but he says we're going to celebrate because my son was dead. When we are in the trespasses of our sin, we're dead. And that's why baptism is important. Because in Romans 6, Paul teaches us that when we go down in the water, it is symbolic of us dying from the old man and coming up as new creatures in Christ. So what he sees in his son is he sees a dead man. But now that he's come back to the father, he's alive. When we gave our life back to Christ, our spirits were revived and we've become renewed and we've become alive. He says, my son was dead. He was lost. And it's found. So they begin to celebrate. Watch this. I'm almost done, y'all. Now, his older son was in the field. As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. I used to go out and That's, I just hear that in my head when I think of this. So he summoned one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Watch this. You're asking because you ain't never been looking out for your brother. You never worried about him when he was in his mess. So you got to ask about him because you never cared about him. You only cared about yourself. Hmm. How many folks do we know are lost that we pray for? Or are we just praying for ourselves? How many folks are lost that we pick up the phone and ask, how you doing? Or are we got to ask when they come into church, what's going on up there? Because you never really looked out for their soul. The older brother, watch this. He's getting ready to brag about how he never left. But sometimes you can be just as much of a devil that never left the church as a person that left the church. Some of the most meanest people are the religious zealots. With all the mess on and all the stuff on, but got a heart full of stone, can cuss you out like a sailor and have no love of Christ, but says, well, I go to church every Sunday, though. That is the big brother syndrome. You're churchy, but evil. I'm sorry. I'm getting, I felt that in my spirit. <laughs> deliver me, Jesus. We spend so much time talking about how messed up the prodigal son was. We don't deal with the fact how messed up the older brother was because he stayed near the father. Watch this. If he stayed near the father, he kept the culture of the father, which means he most likely dressed like the father, but he did not have the heart of the father. 
looked churchy. He dressed churchy. He talked churchy. How you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. The Lord and God is on my side. Hallelujah. I'm running for my life. <laughs> All that. But he did not have the heart of the father. Because if he had the heart of the father, when we studied the father, the father was sitting on the porch waiting for the son to come back home. The brother came from wherever he was coming, don't even know that the brother's home. Which tells us that he never was his brother's keeper. So you're sitting here telling me how much you're like the father, but if you're much like the father, you'd have been sitting on the porch just as depressed as the father that your brother was lost. <laughs> is this all right? So now we see here that the older son is in the field, and as he came to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he summoned one of the servants, asked what this meant. They said, your brother's here. He told him, and your father has slaughtered the fat, and he just, he, the, the servant just rubbing it all in his face. And the father has slaughtered a fattened calf because he was with him. He back safe and sound. Lord, they partying up in there. I can just imagine him just getting indignant and mad and angry because I've been in this church for 20 years, and ain't nobody cut for me like that. I've been on the missionary board for 40 years. And ain't nobody celebrate me like that. But y'all gonna sit up here and clap your hands because he done came to the altar one time. I've been a deacon for 94 years. I came out my mama's womb a deacon. And ain't nobody give me a celebration. You spend more time Focusing on a celebration that you don't realize that the whole time you remain in the presence of the Father. Amen. Amen. Watch this. We're going to go a step further in a minute. Y'all with me? Next verse. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. He's mad. So his father came out and pleaded with him. Now look, the father pleaded with you to come in to celebrate your brother. See, this father is too good. <laughs> Lord, my dad would have <laughs> But he replied to his father, look, watch this. I have been slaving. This is how he sees his sonship. I'm not a son. I'm a slave. I had to take out the trash. I had to wash dishes. I had to make my bed. Watch this. For many years, and I have never disobeyed your orders. Look at him reminding God of what his works are. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, not my brother, when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes. Look, bringing up his past. What I tell you, y'all quiet. We ain't even need to know all that. But somebody has to make their story sound so good that they got to remind you of what you did in your past. Mm. Spends more time and more energy focusing on a big brother's past. Watch this. And the father that is bringing restoration never brought it up. Which tells me that if God is not bringing up my past, why are you? <laughs> Y'all quiet. If God ain't sitting here Spending the whole time reminding me of everything I've done. Why are you, every time we come to the family and friends picnic, you got to remind me of how I wasn't here last year because I was out getting high. 
Why do you got to remind me of the mess I used to be? If the father can hug me, kiss me, cover me, and keep it moving. And the problem is, uh-oh, you only mad because you wish you had some prostitutes too. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You mad that you had to stay saved. Y'all quiet in here. I'm sorry. I used to grow up in church. And one of the most offensive things to me was when somebody used to come to me and say, you ain't been do nothing. You ain't been, you ain't really saved because you ain't never been shot four times in your head and stabbed in your heart. <laughs> and you sitting there like, dang, I gotta go get shot. <laughs> and you just walking down Broadway like, yo, shoot me so I can have a testimony. Because somebody wants to try to bring you to where they are. And they feel as though, though their past makes them more sanctified than you are. So you find yourself trying to compete in sin because you feel like you missed something. And if somebody that has ever been really deep in sin, they'll tell you the truth and tell you you ain't missed nothing. Y'all quiet. They wish they were in your shoes. So what they try to do is they try to demean you so that they don't so that so that it can appear that their testimony is so great. But if they could have switched the story, they wouldn't have the same story. They just try to make you feel bad because you ain't do the same mess that they did. Now you trying to be the big brother going out to getting you some prostitutes for a party. Can I go somewhere with this? If you study the scripture, the Bible never says the father gave him any more assets. So he's been restored, but he wasted his third of his inheritance. <laughs> the brother that stayed still has his two thirds. So you're going to go out there and spend your two thirds for a camel or a calf? You done sacrificed, you done put sin aside. You don't you don't try to live as holy as you can to go out there and do some mess just so you can come in here and brag about it. God is keeping you for a reason. And the purpose is not to spend your assets. The purpose is to celebrate that the Holy Ghost has been so strong in your life. That you could have did mess, but it would reel you in and protect you and cover you, cover you when you wanted to do mess. <laughs> so now we got a brother sitting here really jealous. You ain't mad, you jealous. He know what a party look like now. He done had a couple drinks. He done had a couple women. But if you look at it with the proper lens, he's running back home, which tells you that the drinks, the party, and the women wasn't worth it. Amen. <laughs> so he's empty, and you're jealous of a person that if they could have turned back the tables, they would have stayed in the father's house. 
So he brings up his past. You devoured your assets with prostitutes. You slaughtered a fattened calf for him. And he says, son, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. The fact that you didn't waste yours, the fact that you have remained, the fact that I've kept you is a testimony in itself. And rather than us making our testimony service about our tragedies, how about we have a testimony where we testify about our triumphs? When was the last time somebody could get up and say, I thank God he's kept me this week. I ain't cussed nobody out. Oh, y'all quick to get up here and tell us how you cussed out the postman or whoever this week. I told him, don't put my neighbor's mail in my mailbox. And I had to give him some words. Pray my strength in the Lord. I done heard more mess in testimony services than I heard rejoicing. Because we find more joy in the mess than the blessing. When was the last time you got up and said, I thank God I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I'm single and I'm keeping myself. I ain't been nowhere this week. I ain't drank nothing this week. I ain't smoked nothing. Celebrate this. But rather we spend more time trying to find something dirty we did so we can share with the church that we did something. That's the big brother syndrome. So you have, (laughs) I'm going to go a step further here. I got to sit down. You have three different personalities here in the family. You have the younger brother who's too anxious. You have the older brother who's jealous. And you have the father who's unconditional. Can I go a step further here? And I'm going to really show you what the prodigal son was really about. Christ came to save all men. That was always part of his plan. All men, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, Jew or Gentile, Believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Y'all, y'all know these scriptures. He was there for every single mankind, but men had became so corrupt in their systems and so corrupt in their sin that God set aside a people called Israel. And when he set aside these people called Israel, he gave them laws and commandments to follow. But eventually, after Christ dies on the cross, he sheds his blood for all sins. And then there's a new group that comes in the church called Gentiles. Gentiles were uncircumcised. Gentiles were off the cuff. Gentiles were off the chain. Gentiles had passed. Gentiles didn't know the laws, didn't know the rules, didn't know the Bible, never read a Bible a day in their life, but they wanted to know about Jesus and they loved Jesus. But you had the big brothers who were the Jews who grew up in the church their whole life who felt a certain kind of way because we've been following and adherence to these laws for over 2,000, 4,000 years. And all of a sudden, God, you're going to let these new people come into the church and be a part of us when we've been sitting here obeying the law. But the truth of the matter is, if you read the book of Romans 2, Paul begins to break down Romans 2 and begins to share with them, no, 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 don't you dare get all judgmental because I can show you out of those 613 laws that Moses wrote in the book of Leviticus that you have missed some of them along the way. Not just along the way, but you miss one of them every single day. Every time a thought comes across your mind that's dirty, you have sinned. Every time you thought about doing something manipulative and something with, with some type of intent of evil, you sin. You may not have acted on it, but you thought on it, which meant that you was a sinner. Amen. So they come to Jesus in the New Testament and they're saying, Jesus, we've been slaving with the law all our lives. And Jesus said, you ain't been slaving, you've been cutting corners. So what this actually symbolizes, it symbolizes the Jewish church being haters to the Gentile church because God opened the doors to all people. 
And because of his father's love, he loves the Jew just as much as he loves the Gentile. And they have a problem because they feel like they're owed something because they've been in it longer. No, 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 no. God can save somebody on the last day of their life and he can save the guy that gave his life to the Lord at eight. He does whatever he wants according to the pleasure of his will. And it is not our assignment or our plan or, 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 or our idea in our mind to decide who and who he cannot save. If God wants to save somebody and they 94 years old and they've been a mess and a wreck, but they decide that God, I want to turn my life around at 94, God is able to do that. And if you live 94 years, you ain't never smoked a cigarette, you ain't never had no liquor, you ain't never had no weed, you ain't never snort no coke, you ain't never been to no party, you ain't never slept with nobody, you a 94-year-old virgin and your life is just all of that. Let me tell you something, you just as saved as the 94-year-old person that did everything all their life and gave their life to the Lord. You go into the same heaven, so rather than me hate, I'm going to hold your hand and say, let us do this thing together. I'm glad that you were lost, but I'm celebrating that you are found. And you know what? Although I have been doing this for 94 years and I ain't got it no mess, I celebrate that he's kept me because I'm 94 years old because I ain't drink. I'm 94 years old because I ain't cuss. I was able to keep my peace, so he kept my blood pressure down. And rather than me sitting here worrying about how somebody can get saved at the end of their life, I'm going to thank God that he kept me. Because there's benefits, and I don't want to sound like an old school preacher, but there's benefits yes. in living holy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm a witness. Amen. Yes, I think I'm talking too much today. <laughs> there's benefits yes, it is. Amen. in living holy. Yes, sir. Thank you, Lord. And we're not going to sit here and struggle with trying to live right. We're going to celebrate those that strive to live a life of holiness and we're going to applaud those that come in through these doors and their day one is today. We're going to applaud those that come in and they had a mess of a life and they had all types of issues and the doors closed and they closed doors and they ruined relationships and they ruined jobs and they ruined families. We're going to celebrate their day one because they were lost but now they're found. So I'm going to give you these three points and I'm going to sit down. Point number one, before you are found, you have to discover that you are lost. You'll never be found if you think you got it all together. It took the prodigal son to get lost in his sin to find out how far he was from the father and how important it was to be to get back to the father. So before you are found, you have to discover that you are lost. Number two. Have you left home? I want you to think about that for a minute. Don't get caught up in church. Don't get caught up in religion. Don't get caught up in, uh, I, you know, I do my communion. No, no, no. Are you lost? Are you sitting here right now, but you're distant? You're becoming morally bankrupt. You're losing your relationship with God. You're dwindling away even though you're in the church every Sunday? Amen. Are you in a spiritual distant land? Or are you still in the presence of your father? And number three, is your relationship with the father a chore? Or is it out of love? Are you slaving? <laughs> or is it a honor Amen. to be in the presence of the father? If you are looking at your relationship with God as if though it's works, 
you're religious, but you don't have no relationship. If, all, if you just look at everything you do for the church as slavery, all I do, I got to get up every morning, get these kids dressed, and do all this church stuff, and spread these sermons at work. <laughs> On my break. All this, all this slavery, God. Or is it, I love you, Lord. And I thank you for the privilege and the honor that you have bestowed upon me to handle your scriptures and share this word every Sunday. How do you look at it? Is it a chore or is it out of love? Let's have a word of prayer and let's get out of here. I'm going to serve communion and then we're going to leave. You guys can stand to your feet. Father, we thank you, Lord, for meeting us in this place on today, God. Thank you, Lord, for this message. Uh, thank you, Lord, for saving us. God, we were far away from home. We were distant from you. We have made some mistakes. We have come short. But God, we thank you, Lord, for your opening arms, for covering us, for putting your arms around us. And God, we thank you, Lord, for when others look at our past, God, you study our future. And God, we ask God that you touch each and every single person in this room, God, name by name, one by one, God. God, you know what their prayer request is, God. We ask, Lord, that you touch them, Lord, from the crown of their heads to the soles of their feet. God, we ask God that you make a way out of no way, God. Some of us are in some tight, tough conditions right now. God, we ask God that you just break through for us. And Lord, we give you all the honor. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go2hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.